job. Good morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday if, uh, if you missed me at the start of our live stream. But uh, we're, we're just so honored that you're tuning in. Right now, just take a moment and share the stream. And let's just get Jesus out everywhere we, that we can. Everybody has a different friend group. Everybody has a different group of, of followers and different things on Facebook and Instagram. So just share it right now. Take a moment to do that. And uh, I believe there's a message that's going to impact hearts and impact people that may have never heard the gospel before. So we're just really excited. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun week. Uh, we've been working hard at the Simmons Family Legacy Farm. Uh, we've been spreading gravel, spreading mulch, uh, making more beds, building raised uh, garden boxes, and doing a lot of things and really taking advantage of some of the spare time and, uh, and doing a few things. But um, we just want to wish you a happy Easter and a happy Resurrection Sunday that this is, it may look different. It may look different than it's ever looked in your entire life. Like, no matter how old you are, this might be the most different Easter that you've ever had. But our prayer for you and what Nicole and I were praying is that this would be the most powerful Easter you've ever had, the most memorable. Sometimes when it's the most different, it may be the most memorable, but a most memorable in a good way, that there's a connection, there's something different. Last night, we, we had a, just a few core family members over, and our version of an Easter dinner was just around a campfire, and we, we kept our distance, and we, we used the whole property to hunt one egg. We did an Easter egg hunt with one egg, and um, we gave the winner $20, and so things are different, but when we, went to, when we were tucking the girls in last night, we said, wasn't that one of the most fun Easters that we've ever had? And, and they all agreed and said yes. So although it's different, and although you may not be having family dinner like you normally would today, reschedule that. You know, put that off to in a couple weeks or a few weeks or a couple months at the worst case and, and reschedule that. But just do what you can. Maybe your dinner looks like a Zoom or, or, or some type of FaceTime or, or something, some video or phone call or something different. So it's going to look different, but our prayer is that it will be the most powerful. And before we started our, our service today, we, we gathered as a core team here that's here present in Upper Room, and we gathered, and, and we just said that this would be the most monumental Easter in world history, that this day, that through live stream, through technology, through, through communication and social media platforms, that the gospel would go out from every Jesus Bible-preaching church into the world on a greater scale than ever before. That this would be the most powerful, this would be the most impactful, the most tangible encounters, the most healings, and most of all, the most salvations that receive Christ's forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, and his resurrection. So those are some of our prayers that the, that the God you know, of the universe will make all this for good. And what the enemy meant for destruction, God will use for good. So that's our prayer to you. You know, there's, there's something that we do every year. This is, these are called resurrecting eggs, uh, resurrection eggs. And each is a different color. It comes with a book. And in our home, we've been doing this for years. And each egg, you go through 12 days, including the 12th day is Easter. And each, each egg has a different symbolic thing in it as you read the Easter story and the crucifixion all the way there just a, a little bit before that, through the crucifixion, through parts of that and aspects of that, into the resurrection. So today's egg, it was white and it was empty. You know, the tomb is empty. And these things just over the last week and a half or so have really blessed me. And I've uh, got into the habit of each night um, just, just really acting it out. So the girls, they're waiting for dad and they're acting it out all the way. One of the first ones is when they take the donkey before Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry. And, you know, I'm being the donkey and I'm going crazy with it like, hee-haw, 
hee-haw, and I'm walking through the house doing these things, and it's just been really fun. But there's some things that have really impacted me. And, and, and with that, you know, let me just first start. We gave uh, Easter baskets and gifts to our kids today, and one of the things our kids each gave us a gift, and some of them made us things. They just painted things. And Evelyn, my daughter, she wrote this for me and, and colored it, and it's called The Real Story of Easter. And I'd love to just read it to you because in its simplest form, from a child, this is the Easter story. So let me just take a moment to read this to you. The real story of Easter. Once upon a time, there lived a perfect guy called Jesus. He did many miracles. Sadly, he died on a cross for our sins. They put him in a tomb. Shortly after, they sealed the rock and soldiers stood by it. To make sure no one stole him and they were supposed to keep him safe. Three days later, a miracle happened. The rock rolled over and Jesus rose from the dead. The end. As, as Jesus puts it, it is finished. The end. That's the Easter story in its simplest form, in its, in its most critical form, that, that Jesus paid a price for you and me. That, that we go through this Easter story, and there's a few things that touched me, and even Chloe and I, we got into a, a theological discussion and uh, we begin to search out scripture and we begin to see things. And she was learning things at school and, and I was challenging her and she was challenging me. And this is fun as she's growing up. This is kind of a fun thing we do. So she came in bed with me and we got the Bibles out and we're searching things and we're looking things up. And, and, and there's a few things that just really stood out to me in, this, in these, the resurrection eggs and the story. Let me just say that today's message is really focused on this is the greatest love story of all time. This, this crucifixion all the way through the resurrection, all the way back and referencing some things we're going to reference today back to Genesis, that this is the greatest love story that's ever unfolded on the place of the universe. It's simply a love story all the way through the most common gospel verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved, God the Father so loved his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. You know, this is a love story that, that sin and destruction entered humanity. It entered, it entered our world. It entered us. And we're born into sin. We're born into a mess. We're born into nastiness. We make choices. We make mistakes. We sin. But God loved us so much. Even though he planted us in a perfect environment in, in the Garden of Eden, he loved us so much that he had to devise a plan. So he gave himself, he gave his son, his only begotten son, that will go through this crucifixion so that he can raise from the dead, so that he could pay a price for us and then join the Father and join us in eternity. This, this is the greatest love story that's ever unfolded, that's ever been demonstrated in all of humanity and all history with any gods that's ever preached about, any gods that's ever been portrayed. Jesus is the only God that doesn't have a tomb or a memorial or a monument his was empty. He's alive. He was crucified, but he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So a few of these eggs that stood out was Peter in the garden. And Nicole and I, we began to share some of this in our, live, our Facebook Live on Wednesday. And I began to just be emotional and cry, and, which isn't all that uncommon for me as I feel Jesus' presence. And, and I began to experience his grace all over again. You know, I, I, I understand grace because a lot of grace was given to me. I was in darkness. I was, I was really a mess and just, just a big, fat heathen. But yet Jesus, but God. And suddenly I had one of these moments, and, and I began to just think of this, and, and we shared some of these stories on Facebook Live this week, and one of them is, is Peter in the garden. 
the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and the guards are going to take, and the soldiers are trying to take Jesus, and, and Peter cuts off one of their ears. And this is one of our daughters asked during this part of the story, why didn't Jesus just, how could have Jesus just taken himself off the cross? Why didn't he? How could he have done it? And I said, well, remember this story. He said he could have called 12 legions of angels, 72,000 angels, and remove himself. But he chose not to for you and me. Another egg was, was casting lots and gambling and, and throwing dice, casting lots for his garments. And, and Jesus, you know, they said, why were there three crosses? Why, why were there two other crosses? And why was he in the middle? As we see the picture, he's often in the middle. And I said, well, Jesus likes to be in the center of all things. He likes to be in the center of our lives, the center of our thoughts, the center of every moment of our life. And he, and he says this, like, there's the thieves, and he's surrounded, and he's taking the same death as criminals. He who knew no sin took on our sin. And then we get into to the water and the blood, and that's where our debate came in, and, and how water and blood came out of his side. And, and then we get to the point was, why did he say, Father, why have you forsaken me? That moment where Jesus was fully man, fully flesh, fully uh, um, carnal and fully feeling the pain and the affliction of our sins and our mistakes and, and our issues. And he's saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? And we're just talking about this. And, and the, really the last one was, was last night. And this was kind of a funny one. And, and uh, they talk about the stone being rolled away by an angel. And I said, well, it must have been the happiest angel on the earth. And they're like, why, Dad? Because you had to have been strong to move that stone, and, and they said, I said, the joy of the Lord is our strength, so he must have been a happy, he or she must have been a happy angel. So we get into the message today, and one of the things that I really want to focus on is we go from Palm Sunday and last week speaking on Lazarus and, and speaking on the fig tree and those things, and, and then we, we, we go through the triumphant entry, and then oftentimes the next Sunday, we skip right into the resurrection, and, and I just had this conviction yesterday as I was doing communion with Nicole and, and, and the Lord, and we were just talking how, how oftentimes we fast forward through the crucifixion and the repentance portion and that, that portion to get to the resurrection because it's such a good story, because it's such a celebration, because it is what separates our God being alive and well. You know, that's a big thing, and it's the, it's the icing on the cake. But there was something that cost. You know, there was a cost you know, in order for there to be a resurrection, something had to die. And, and as, we, as we get into this, Philippians 3, 8 through 11, I referenced this a few weeks back. In verse 10, it says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Here we are, Resurrection Sunday. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his sufferings and be like him in his death. And, and here's the thing, I, I don't want to dwell here because he's no longer on a cross crucified. He's no longer hanging and still pinned up on the cross. I believe this posture here when he was on the cross was him opening up, and this was a picture of love that was waiting to embrace us into an eternal hug of embrace and love and power. Now, I don't want to stay there too long, but I also don't want to skip over it because love looks like something. I put on our, on our Family Legacy Ministry Instagram a picture of Jesus and as the crown of thorns was on his head and blood was coming down his face and just a couple tears. I said, this is what love looks like. Jesus' face enduring the pain, enduring the suffering for you and I. This was, this was what it was about. But love always looks like something. And the greatest love of all time looked like Jesus on the cross. And, and there's this suffering. So I, I don't want to just skip over it. 
but I also don't want to dwell there. But I think it's, it's to take special note that, that there is this thing to where we also have to acknowledge that he was crucified. He was bruised. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was mocked. He, he drug his own cross through the streets. You know, there was this brutality about it. And there was this part of the Bible that says that it was so gruesome that he was indistinguishable. You couldn't tell him apart from a human being to an animal. He had been beaten so bad and had been taken up so much pain and, and brutality that you couldn't even tell whether or not he was an animal or a human being. And I don't know about you, but that touches me. That, that does something for me because that's the picture of love that he chose to endure for all of my mistakes. It becomes personable to me. It becomes personal to me. It becomes real to me. It becomes this, this, this shining down of love to me, knowing that he was nailed to a tree. He was beaten. He was stabbed. All of these things, a crown of thorns was, was put on his head and twisted around so that I could have eternal life and forgiveness and eternal life and life more abundantly even here on earth. Those are the things. As we moved into the story here and as we moved into the week, we begin to just focus on a few more things, and there's really two points that I want to make today. And again, it's pointing back that, that the cross became a position of time. It also was not only a, a, a new beginning, but it also reflected back to the very beginning of creation. And I'm going to just read John 19, 28 through 30. So John 19, 28 through 30, it reads this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said, to fulfill the scripture, says, I thirst. Verse 29, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Verse 30, when Jesus had received this sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave of his spirit. He died in that moment. The moment before death, he's fulfilling the prophecies. And he's fulfilling every single one, every little detail of everything that was prophesied. And then he says, it is finished. Now, in Greek, the word used there translated to paid in full. And, and let me just tell you, he didn't just whisper or mutter out, it is finished. It was, it's expressed in an expression that it was yelled out, it is finished. It was powerful. It is finished. So then in the Hebrew word, it meant to create or to, it refers to creation. So, so here we have this position of time that he's saying it is finished, but actually in all reality for you and I and the forgiveness of sins and, and the bo being born again, all of a sudden it's now just beginning. This moment of time changed time from, from B.C. to A.D. It was literally a pivotal moment where it changed all of history. And it changed history, but here's what it's doing. He's saying it is finished, but it's also it's just a beginning. The Bible says it's no longer I that lives, Galatians 2.20, no longer I that lives, but he that lives in me. We're, we're new creations. We're new creatures in Christ. All of a sudden it says all old is gone and new has come. So it's this time, but, but here's the thing. It's referring back to, to create, creation. Now listen, at the beginning of time, Jesus put us in a perfect world. He put us in Eden. And all of a sudden, us as humanity had free will, and, and we were tempted, and we fell to sin. We, Adam and Eve, we as humanity made this choice. We can't blame. We can't, we can't do that. But then what happens is 
Now he's saying it is finished. He's pointing back to creation with the way he created us. So when he's saying it is finished, what had to happen, because he loved us so much, he had to come up with a plan. And he had this, this amazing, miraculous love story that had to unfold to connect us back to the Father for eternity because he loves us as his very own children. So what he's saying is, it is finished. I'm now making you new creations and taking you back to your identity in which I created you to be. Not the way that you had fallen to temptation or fell to sin or, or made mistakes or bad choices or bad things happened to you that led to a different course in life. I'm taking you back to your original design. Your, your, what he says this. He says that he knew us before we were ever conceived. Before we were in our mother's womb, he created us. Before the foundations of the world, he created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He numbered the hairs on our head, and he called us by name. These are a collage of scriptures that he says that he knew us. He created us at the beginning of eternity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit says, let us make man in our image. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in an eternal realm created us at the foundations of the world. And what's happening is he says, it is finished. It's now a new beginning because he's connected us back to our intended design to be with him, to be his children, to be his sons and daughters, bought with a price, and, and born again and, and bought with the spirit of adoption to where we can cry out, Abba, Father, and we are his very own children. That is what we are. Let me, let me move on to another part here. In John 20, 19 through 23, just a little part later in this story, and now he's been crucified, he's He's given his last breath. It is finished. And now that the tomb was empty, Mary and others went there. It was empty. They found it. He begins to appear. He begins to appear like to guys like Doubting Thomas. And then all of a sudden, as he feels the holes in his hands, my God, my God. All of a sudden, a revelation hits, and, and, and these things, people were transformed. Soldiers were transformed. The earth began to shake. The veil was torn from heaven to earth. The veil of the temple was torn typically symbolizing a separation that only the high priest on the Day of Atonement could go into the Holy of Holies. But now all of a sudden, the veil had been torn and it had been removed, meaning we now have all access. One of the stories here, he appears to the disciples after he resurrected in John 20, 19 through 23. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I saw the Lord, when I experienced the Lord, when I encountered the Lord, when I knew he was real, I was filled with joy. I was filled with hope, and I had peace beyond understanding that I'd never had before in my life. And he said, again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. There's a commissional element here. There's, there's a thing that Jesus just didn't die so we could just sit around and wait. One day when we die, we can get to heaven. It was a commission. The great commission is make disciples, right? And all of a sudden, he, he's telling them, he foretold them that he was going to leave, but somebody greater, somebody, something that was greater than him would come to comfort them and to, to give them empowerment, to, to, to give them purpose. So all of a sudden, the next verse, verse 22 says, Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He's giving them power. He's giving them assignment. He's giving them purpose. 
Let me just tell you that Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection wasn't just for you. It was for everybody around you. This is amazing. Salvation's for you, but when the Holy Spirit is breathed in you, now he's for everybody around you. He gets revealed to where our cup runs over. We get to overflow, and we get to be so filled up with him, his love, his power, his Holy Spirit, we get to leak out on everybody around us. But I want to focus on verse 22 just for a moment here before I close. It says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to take note that that Greek word breathed is the same word in its origin as in Genesis 2-7, where it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The same breath that God gave Adam to breathe and become a human being is the same breath that he breathed upon his appearance after the resurrection to the disciples. Listen, the same breath that Jesus breathed life into humanity and is the same breath that he breathed the Holy Spirit into them after the resurrection, it's the same life he's breathing today. It's the same life of purpose and passion and presence and, and, and healing and love and power that he's breathing today. Even amongst all of what's going on in our world, amongst all of what's happening in destruction and and recession and economy and jobs and even relationships, the same breath of God, the Ruach breath of God is the same breath that God is still breathing out today on his children. Again, it's connecting back to Genesis at the creation of the universe, the creation of humanity, the creation of you and I, bringing us back to a position of right standing, righteousness in God. Through salvation, through a born-again experience, all of a sudden we become the righteousness of God. Why? Because we have the breath of life in him, and we we were put into a creativity, a creation of what he's created us to do, be, and desire him. This is the greatest love story ever told. It's it's the greatest love story that's ever been demonstrated. It's the greatest love story of all time for eternity ever upon any universe. It's Jesus Christ, and he was crucified, and he took a price. He died for you and I. I'm going to ask Adam to come. He took a price for you and I so that on the crucifixion, our sins are forgiven. We're covered by the blood. His body was broken. And and let me just tell you, he didn't fall short. He didn't just die partially. He He didn't give up. He died all the way. His body was broken all the way. He was broken so we could be whole, full life, full forgiveness, full eternity. This is the love story and the icing on the cake, the celebration. The thing that changed everything was the resurrection. Today, the tomb was found empty, and he began to appear, and he began to commission and comfort and still bring peace before he ascended to heaven with the Father. Listen, I'm here to tell you that he loves, he loves you so much. He forgives you, and, and he's not forgotten about you. He is the resurrection and the life. He's not dead. He's alive. You know, he's, he's not in a tomb. He's not on a cross. He's not stuck there. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. How sweet it is that we celebrate this, and, and you know, Christmas is when the the gift was given to us, and Easter is the day we get to unwrap the present, the resurrection. He was put on this earth for assignment. You were put on this earth for assignment. He's breathing his purposeful breath of life into you right now. He's breathing salvation into you right now. He's breathing healing into your body right now. I'm I'm here to declare he's breathing life into your finances right now. He's breathing life into your body right now. He's breathing life into your marriage right now. 
He's not dead. He's alive. He is contending for you, and he's sitting next to the Father, interceding for you on your behalf. You have the greatest intercessor going on your behalf at all times to the Father because he loves you so much. He is not done with you. He is not finished. He is not finished with you. The cross, the forgiveness of sins, the miraculous crucifixion and resurrection is finished, but he's not finished with you because you're still here. You still have the breath of life in you. You still have purpose. You still have something to live for because he died for something. He died for you. It's the priceless death. He, he said, listen, I'll put a price tag on you. I'll put a price tag on your children. I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll, make, I'll make a value to it. I'll make a worth to it himself. That's a priceless gift that the Father gave us was Jesus Christ. Listen, that saying that you are worth something, you are valuable You're more than a conqueror. You're his holy people. You're his peculiar people. We get to be his weird people. <laughs> no matter how weird we are, no matter how peculiar we are, we are his chosen generation, his chosen people, his royal priesthood, his children, his sons, his daughters. We, we are his people. And let me just tell you, he'd do it if it were just for you alone. He did it for the entire universe. It says that he died for the whole world, that the whole world would come to know him, the whole cosmos. For God so loved the whole world, the entire cosmos, everybody, everything, no matter what they're into, no matter what religion they're in, no matter what lifestyle they're choosing, no matter what choices they've made in life, he came for the entire world. And if we believe in him, we won't perish, but we'll have eternal life, life, and life more abundantly. John 10.10 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and life abundantly, the resurrecting life. He is resurrecting things today. There's things that's died. There's health diagnoses that look like death. There's, there's things that, that look deadly or look like death. The, the COVID-19 looks deadly. It is deadly. Our finances might look like death right now. Our relationships, family issues, marriages, things might look dark right now. They might look like death right now. But then let me tell you, we serve a God who has resurrecting power. We serve a God who is a resurrector, that, that he is resurrecting life. He is life, not death. And he came to give life and life more abundantly. That's my prayer for you today, is that whatever's going on in your life, whatever trial you're facing, whatever that, that, whether it's now, this past whole year, the past 10 years, maybe this next upcoming few months, I'm here to tell you that he came to give life, an abundant life here on earth right now, because you were born for such a time as this. I'd love to just pray for you. Before I do, you know, why didn't, why didn't Jesus just come appear out of the tomb and walk out? There's a few things that I have some opinions on or philosophies. I, I believe this. I believe he loves to be searched out. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He withholds nothing for those who seek him. These are the verses that, that stick with me that there's something about pursuit. There's something about just seeking him out, just choosing him. He, you know, back to connecting back to the beginning. We love because he first loved us. He talks about returning to our first works and, and doing them over. Listen, the breath of life, the, the, it is finished to, to create and creation is getting us back to that first love, that first work. We love because he first loved us. Why did he not just come out and appear from the tomb? I, I believe there's some things he wants to be searched out. He wants to be sought after. He wants to be discovered. 
And I believe this, the, the story with Thomas feeling his holes and saying, my God, my God. I, I believe that he wants to be discovered. He wants to be experienced. He wants us to feel him. I would love to just pray for you and whoever you're with right now. And maybe you're alone. Maybe, maybe you're in your house alone or your car or the kitchen or living room, whatever you're watching from. Or maybe you'll watch this later at work this week or driving down the road, you'll listen to it. I just want to pray that whatever has maybe died or, or prayers that haven't been answered yet, that there is a resurrecting power coming in to every situation, every circumstance, and every trial that you're going through. That today, I sent this to a few of my friends and pastors. I said that today there would be more salvations than ever recorded in a single day in history. That there would be more healings, that there would be more tangible encounters, and that the, the live streams that are going out in the podcast and the, the media and the communication around and platforms going out, that more things would happen and that the heaven would come to earth in a greater level than ever before for an awakening and a revival. And that's my prayer for you today, that you will experience God's tangible love, his forgiveness, his mercy and grace, that when you even begin to talk about the cross, something happens in here because you've experienced that grace. You've experienced that forgiveness when you didn't deserve it. When we deserve something far greater and for something far different, that he chose you and he chose to die on a cross for you and he chose to resurrect for you and he chose to resurrect for humanity and the entire cosmos and he chose to resurrect things in your life. So those things that you've almost given up on, those things that you've stopped praying for, those things and his prophecies and promises and declarations that haven't come to pass, I'm declaring right now that there is a resurrecting power right now in this moment that is tangible, that there's an atmosphere wherever you are that's charged with his love, that's ignited with his passion, and that's so powerful that he is resurrecting dead things right now. So just put your hands on your heart or open your hands or take a posture of prayer or receiving. God, I thank you that you are a resurrecting God, that there is none besides you, there is none like you, Jesus, that you are set apart, that you conquered death, hell, and the grave, that you went, as Revelation says, you went and you grabbed the keys and Satan had to give them to you because he has no authority in our lives. The enemy has no authority in our home, in our children, our grandchildren, our marriages, our finances, our nation, our economy. The enemy has no dominion or authority over a virus or an illness or a disease. God, you conquered death, hell, and the grave. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give life and life abundantly. You who knew no sin became our sin. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross. We are the joy set before you, Jesus. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for the resurrecting power, the resurrecting life that you are, that you're alive, you're not dead. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you're watching for the first time and you've never accepted Jesus in your heart. You've never been born again or maybe not even know what that is or you don't understand that. The whole message leading up to this point is Jesus was crucified for you and for me and our sins and our mistakes and our bad choices, but he erased it all away. When he took on that price and he was beaten and he died for you and I, he says he forgives us as far as the east is to the west and he buries them on the bottom of the ocean floor, never to dig them up ever again. So if that's you or, or maybe you just need a renewal of your faith or you just need a refreshing with the Lord and, and into intimacy with him and, and relationship with him, today you can make the greatest decision of your entire life 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation, which translates to sozo. It's, it's today is the day of being saved, healed, and delivered. So I want to pray for you. So just everybody, as you're walking, watching, just, just say this prayer. Lord, I thank you for dying on a cross. I thank you for paying a price for my mistakes and my sins and my shortcomings, my choices and the things I've done or not done. I ask that you forgive me. I thank you that your body, that you were broken so I could be whole. That by your stripes I'm healed. That your blood, it, it covers me. I thank you for the plan of salvation. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross and connecting us back to the Father for eternity. I thank you that I enter into a relationship with you and I ask you to consume me as an all-consuming fire and live in me and abide in me and live in my heart. And I thank you for your resurrecting power. I thank you for resurrection. I thank you for resurrecting life. That I can live life and life abundantly here on earth. I thank you, Jesus, that, that you know what's best for me, that you're going ahead of me, that you're interceding for me, and you call me your beloved, you call me your child, and you love me. In Jesus' name. If you just said that for the first time, I want you to just make a comment right now. I want you to reach out to somebody because I believe in discipleship and I believe that you, if you just made the greatest decision of your life, there are, there are next steps. There are things that now, now you've began. It is finished, but now your new life has began. And it's just starting now. And let me just tell you, you just made a decision to step into the greatest life you'll ever experience in your life. The greatest relationship that you'll ever have in your entire life. And you just made the greatest, most monumental decision in your entire life. So welcome to the family. The Bible says that when one sinner, and we're all sinners, we all fall short. And for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But it says when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice so if you're a sinner and you just repented like, like I did, angels are throwing a party. There is a giant party in heaven celebrating you. So welcome to the family. You're God's beloved and he loves you so much.